I finally feel like I can trust you. What? It's a compliment. I'll bet. I always you before. Not even his, not words. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Friend Request, a podcast where we discuss characters and relationships in video games. I'm Colin Detmar from Scanline Media. And I'm Jennifer Uncle, also from Scanline Media. And uh, this week I have, um, this is, this is a, a bigger category than we usually do, um, I'm, I want to talk about the uh, th- most of the three, well, I was going to say the 3DS Fire Emblems, but that I guess actually doesn't include Fire Emblem Echoes. I want to talk about Fire Emblem Awakening? And Fire Emblem Fates, and specifically, I want to talk about the uh, like children of that game and sort of the way the game handles them, right? Because um, Fire Emblem's always had the support system, which was well, not okay. It hasn't always had the support system. Actually, let me back up. That's sort of a, a, a development that happened over the course of the series that became pretty core to its identity. The system where as your characters fought alongside each other, they would develop uh, relationships, be they friendships or romantic, and it would develop over time the more they fought together and the more they hung out. And it became one of the big draws of the series. Have you played much Fire Emblem, Jen? I played like an hour or two of uh, Awakening, and I put several hours into Fire Emblem Heroes, but that's kind of a different thing entirely. Yeah, they eventually added uh, supports to... Uh, heroes, but they're purely stat-based. They don't have any relationships attached to them. Like, there's no conversations or anything. It's just like, oh, these characters have hung out, they get plus one attack. And it's like, okay, that doesn't, you know, that's part of it, but that's kind of missing the point, right? Yeah. I suppose I've also played Fire Emblem Warriors, and that has support, but only in the context of if you play with these two characters close to one another, eventually they'll start releasing items to you, and that's about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, classically, you even get to the point where, like, um, they have, they started in doing it more and more to the point where uh, you would have characters that um, had several possible S ranks you could reach. Like, it was, it was, you start, your first rank was C, B, A, and then you had some S ranks. And usually if you went S rank, you could only go out with one person because it meant you were getting into, like, a committed relationship with them between those two characters. So you could kind of, like, play matchmaker, and it was kind of cute and fun. Um, and in Awakening, uh, they've, they've done stuff with, like, like, children and descendants of, of characters in Fire Emblem, but they've never based it on your supports before, um, and had it be dynamic until Awakening, where it was like, okay, we're gonna have, like, the, the characters you pair up, there's gonna be a kid, and the kid is going to have, like, attributes based on the pairing, um, there's always a preset character, for example, like, uh, what's a, I mean, like, the, the most obvious example is that the, uh, one of the main characters, Krom, his daughter, he's always going to have a daughter, the daughter is always going to be Lucina. The mom can be variable, and it will affect some of, like, Lucina's stats and stuff, right? And with other characters, it'll also affect, like, their hair color and things. Um, and... The handling of it is kind of is kind of iffy. There are some characters where, um, 
you know, it's 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 fine. Uh, Morgan is is the like the the descendant, like the the child of the uh, main character, the player character. And because the player character has like mysterious origins, they have to give the kid amnesia so that they don't spoil their own plot. What? And that's a little. So when the kid shows up, they're just like, uh, I remember you're my mom and basically nothing else. Because if I remembered everything, then the entire rest of this game, the plot would be spoiled because I would know what's going on. <laughs> oh, dear. It's it's a little, in retrospect, you're like, huh, okay, sure. But basically, in, in Awakening, the way it works, the reason your kids are hanging out with you, even though you haven't had them yet, is there's time travel going on, right? Um, Lucina has in the future, the future is terrible, and Lucina has seen that the way to stop the terrible future from going so terrible is she and some of the other kids need to go back in time to when their parents were not much older than they are now and help out. And that's kind of cheesy and lame, right? That's how she ends up putting on the mask and going by Marth for a while, right? Mm-hmm. To try and to try and avoid like being like, "Hey, I'm your daughter." <laughs> Isn't this awkward? Um, and then you get some like, especially if you've managed to get an, an S rank by that point. Like at first, it's just, she's just like, uh, "You're my dad," and she doesn't say who her mom is because you haven't told the game who her mom is yet. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, huh. unless you've gotten to an S rank at that point, in which case, of course, you also have the reveal of also you're my mom, and it's like, uh huh. Okay, um, and it's it's like it's a cheesy cli- kind of cliche idea, but you know, Fire Emblem's never been like cutting edge writing, right? It's just fun and it works. But the problem is, what happens in Fire Emblem fates? See, Awakening was supposed to be the last Fire Emblem. That was supposed to be, like, the dramatic last hurrah for a series that didn't sell as well as it needed to. And this was just like, okay, we're going to go all out, we're going to give one last big Fire Emblem, and then we're going to retire the series, because people don't actually buy it, right? Oh, wow, things pretty dramatically changed after Awakening. Yeah, Awakening did amazing. It did incredible numbers, and Fire Emblem, like, surged in popularity. And so... They were tasked with like, okay, you've got to make more Fire Emblem. You've got to make more Fire Emblem now, right? That was that was the like Fire Emblem is now one of like the tent poles of Nintendo's strategy going forward, going from a game that was getting one last game out of respect. And so Fire Emblem Fates is a game that chases the ideas of awakening to a fault. Even when it should rethink some of those and go a different way, it still chases awakening in most ways. And one of these ways is the way it handles children. So in this one, there's no children time traveling back. There's no like, oh, we have to save the future, right? Let me describe to you what happened to me when I had... um, I'm going to do two parts of this, right? First off, um, I had my main character romance her brother because i was like wait i can do this oh dear and as as the the s rank event of you romancing your brother is your brother pulling out a letter that says like i was told to open this one this one day and i'd know when and he opens up the letter and he's like it turns out you're not my real sister all right let's have sex Ah! wait what oh god (laughs) this is very bad (laughs) oh it's like the little laminated card 
Michael Bay gave one of the characters in one of those Transformers movies be like, "Oh, hey, what we're do- our relationship is technically legal, so everything's fine." Yeah, it's bad. Uh, so whoever, like, and that's not exclusive to that guy. If you decide to date any of your siblings, it turns out you're not actually related and it's fine. So that's cool. <laughs> and then, um, so you, you S rank, you, you do that event and it's, and there's a cutscene, right? There's sort of like, uh, it's one of those cutscenes where they like, they sort of like, there's slow pains across pieces of art while text explains what's going on, right? Um, so it's like a slow pan of like across like like you in a wedding dress and them you know and like it's like oh you know happy marriage and they had a beautiful they had a beautiful you know boy or girl depending right and then it's like and they knew they couldn't keep it with them because of the war so they put them in the like the dragon dimension where they would grow up faster and I'm like what dragon dimension <laughs> what are you talking about you put them in an alternate dimension where they grow up fast that's never come up until now what are you talking about wait so they never mention it until that very moment they mention that there is an alternate dimension um but the alternate dimension that you've seen is just like your home base it's just sort of like oh this is the alternate dimension where our castle is because we need you to have a kind of a hub world. There's no concept of time acceleration. There's no mention of multiple dimensions. And there's also no mention of the fact that apparently you can really go in and out at will, except for that one castle. There's like, oh yeah, there's this one too. For the kids. So there's that part of it, where they invoke a new dimension for accelerated raising of children. Uh, There's also the part where you're just putting the kids in there and you're not like it's it's like framed in the storytelling like oh yeah and and every couple of like you know every couple of weeks in your time but like every couple of years in their time you their parents will come to see them they're being raised by presumably some surrogate parents don't really get into it do we jesus that's like that's like the pokemon ranch you take your eggs to to let them hatch except these are real human beings and your own spawn yeah and then like and even then like you you get the recruitment events where you recruit those characters to join your army again and they're grown up but not fully grown up right because like i mean like as one example the the protagonist's uh son or daughter depending on who you marry is uh kana and kana is um from their writing from their characterization acts like a 12 year old acts like like naive about the world to the point that you question whether they've got object permanence locked down i mean like they act so young in a way that's really uncomfortable especially because you can then get them married to other kids oh dear and this is with a lot of, I mean, like, Kana is the worst as far as immaturity, but all the kids have, well, almost all of them, have some degree of, like, alarming immaturity going on that suggests that they are not ready for this. And you can still recruit them, and you want to know the best part. I'm afraid to ask, but yeah, go so, ahead. So, any, but, well, most pairings can have children, right? Including lots of ones that don't involve the protagonist. And if the protagonist doesn't get married, doesn't S-rank, and waits till there are kids, the protagonist can S-rank with kids. 
Oh. It's oh. very bad. No. It's very bad. No, 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 no. Anyway, we could go on with the podcast now. I just wanted to <laughs> take this moment to be very upset at Fire Emblem for doing a very bad job. It's very bad. Yeah, that's... That's... Even even in the context of various other games in the past which have done questionable relationships between people of ages that you could not exactly determine, that seems like another level of no, just no. Yeah, there's... there's I like... It's, it's, it's gross, and it's also incoherent, and it's very bad. What did you bring today? <laughs> Is it less of a bummer? I, I'd say so, yeah. I decided it'd be interesting to talk about Agro and uh, Wander from Shadow of the Colossus. And it's a bit less traditional because there's not a lot of writing or even speaking in Shadow of the Colossus. But uh, it's definitely this bond that you can see forming throughout the game. Maybe it was a bond that was already there, but you get a better sense of it as time goes on. So, Wander is bringing this girl who seems to be in some, either a catatonic state or straight up dead, to this shrine on top of his horse named Agro. And when he gets there, he's tasked by this... He's tasked by this god who's clearly isn't up to anything good to slay these 16 colossi, I think, mm-hmm. in order to give him the power to bring Mono back to life. So essentially what you're doing in each of these scenarios is you're taking Wander out into... You're taking Agro out into a field... You're holding your sword aloft, seeing where the sun's rays lead you, and you're riding across to fight these gigantic monsters, which aggro your horse. Horses in fiction are pretty jumpy most of the time, like... And in reality. Yeah, you 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 put them against something that's scary or even something like... Being right behind them is always a really bad idea, typically. But for whatever reason, Agro is totally cool with running straight at these colossi or around these colossi as you battle them or you chase them through a desert. Or He's with you the whole way. And that's pretty remarkable for a horse, especially... Well, I don't know if... I don't know if a fantasy horse would be tougher or... A fantasy horse is probably tougher than a normal horse, but there's still something amazing about his persistence and his willingness to stick with you the whole time. There's a button dedicated to calling him wherever you are, as long as that wherever isn't in an absolutely ridiculous place. Mm -hmm. And... This continues as you continue to slay the Colossi and Wander's skin starts growing pale and that bits of black smoke from the Colossi end up flying into Wander. And 
when it comes time to fight the 16th Colossi, you get to a position where you and Agro are riding up this steep cliff. The cliff starts to give way. And at the very last moment, Agro uses his strength to shove you across the collapsing arch as he falls into this... Maybe it's 50 or... It's a very long way down, this river that he falls into. And the way that Wander climbs back up on the ridge and continues about his business makes it pretty clear that Agro is most likely dead. I don't think there's I don't think there's really any doubt with that kind of a fall and oh, yeah. how generally realistic the game is. Oh yeah, it's for any other horse it would have killed Agro. <laughs> for any other story it would have killed Agro. And after you defeat the 16th Colossi, you surprise surprise end up getting possessed entirely by this god. You do battle with some other people who were, turns out we're tracking your trail the whole time to stop you from doing this because making deals with these gods is never such a great idea. And it ends with, it ends with Wander being turned into a little baby and Mono comes back to life and it seems like she's gonna care for this baby version of Wander. And then out of nowhere, comes limping aggro. He somehow survived that fall, and he marches triumphantly up to be with Mono and baby aggro, and presumably live out the rest of their lives, or until whenever Ico starts, anyway. And I find that really remarkable how they... So, a lot of discussion happens around environmental storytelling, right? But typically, that doesn't go... It Typically, environmental storytelling involves a lot of audio logs and finding blood written... finding messages written in blood on the walls, or... It's heavily reliant on just telling you information another way explicitly. Meanwhile, the thing that Wander and Agro have going on is this very implicit. By going on this journey with them, by watching the intro, which is about five or seven minutes long as they trek across the earth to get to this specific place, as they go through rain and battle the elements to get there, you really get the sense that these two are inseparable and... It's to a degree that you rarely see in any other fiction, and any other, practically any other game would have talked at length about this. Like, Wander would have said a bunch of lines about, oh, look at my trusty horse, Agro. He's so helpful. He is always there when I need him. But for this story, this story that uses almost no words except for a few moments to be like, okay, we need to tell you what's going on what he's trying to do at some point. It's kind of, It's... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of interesting. I feel like there's an interesting parallel um, between that and... F- forgive me for this jump here. Uh, Luigi's Mansion, in a way that's interesting, because these are both games where um, pretty much the only voice work in the entire game... You know, they're, as you say, 
and and there's a little little bit of exception, but for most of the game, the only voice work is for Wander, a button that makes you shout for aggro, and Luigi, a button that makes him shout for Mario. Wow, that's that's actually a perfect connection. <laughs> and it's interesting because of the completely different directions they go in, right? Because it's it's both for both it's kind of a lonely thing. But in Shadow of the Colossus, the shout for aggro is kind of this like shout for like both in both cases the voice work varies a lot based on how far you are like like your location and sort of like what's going on you know you can just have a gentle like hey aggro and then you can have him like screaming it or shouting it um because he's in a real bad place but aggro always comes it's it's sort of this like this is the one person i can rely on and then with luigi's mansion it's like this is the one idea I have to cling to, even though actually the person is not here and never was. But sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Yeah, totally. Luigi's Mansion is an unfulfilled promise. That, that button represents an unfulfilled promise, while Shadow of the Colossus, for almost in its entire runtime, that button is a bond between you and the horse. I think sometimes it's even a whistle, depending on the situation, but... Mm. That's yeah, true. but yeah, you you come to lean on that on that button the same way that that wander does on on aggro. Yeah, and that's something that you most games could do well to take an example from Shadow of the Colossus and realize that a mechanic can be just as important can have a bond just as important as something that you spent five hundred pages writing down. Mm-hmm. And. I'm kind of feeling a bit weird about how the remake may go because it's it seems to be ironing out a lot of the visual things that made that special, but as long as they continue the the link between Wander and Agro, as long as they get that part right, I feel like the game will do pretty well. Yeah, it, it'll it'll find its way, hopefully. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode of Friend Request. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you'd like to tell a friend about us, we would really appreciate that. Um, we try and keep the podcast nice and short so that you can uh, easily recommend it to people without, you know, taking up too much of their time. I want to give a big thank you to Krista Lee for use of her track Hearts Burning Bright, which is our intro and outro here on the show. You can find that track and more work of Krista Lee's at opeorpup.bandcamp.com. Uh... We have a couple of new uh, podcasts we have going down now. Um, Jen and I are both on Novel Not New, which is a podcast we are doing in collaboration with uh, M from Abnormal Mapping. So if you go to abnormalmapping.com, you can check out that podcast. It's a um, monthly visual novel uh, club, basically a book club for visual novels. Uh, We did uh, Dream Daddy with our first episode, and we're going to have an episode coming up for Narcissus. Uh, the other thing I would like to real quickly promote is our on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Media. we have a new show, which is our first ever show for patrons only. It's Oops All Anime, which is a revival. We did two episodes of that show a long time ago as just sort of a random let's talk about anime, but now it's being revived as its own weekly podcast, patrons only, where we try out various anime. We watch them for three episodes and we render judgment and we are changing shows all the time we maybe we'll cover a new show that you're interested in that you're wondering how it turned out 
Uh, so please give that a listen. You have to back the Patreon Patreon to get access, but just one dollar gets you access to the show, and uh, we would we would love your support. Absolutely. Uh, social media stuff. Um, I'm at six two six four on Twitter. Uh, Scanline Media is at Scanline Media. Uh, Jen is at JBU three. And I think that's it for our our promotion-y stuff. We'll see you next time. Later.